Thank you for listening to Sermon Audio from Hill City Church in Springfield, Missouri. We are a community of believers who exist to glorify God by making disciples who bring gospel restoration to our city and world. For more information about Hill City or to support our ministry, you can find us online at hillcitysgf.org. Good morning. Our scripture is Luke 16, 1 through 13. He also said to the disciples, There was a rich man who had a manager, and charges were brought to him that this man was wasting his possessions. And he called him and said to him, What is this that I hear about you? Turn in the account of your management, for you can no longer be manager. And the manager said to himself, What shall I do, since my master is taking the management away from me? I am not strong enough to dig, and I am ashamed to beg. I have decided what to do, so that when I am removed from management, people may receive me into their houses. So summoning his master's debtors one by one, he said to the first, How much do you owe my master? He said, A hundred measures of oil. He said to him, Take your bill and sit down quickly and write fifty. Then he said to another, And how much do you owe? He said, A hundred measures of wheat. He said to him, Take your bill and write eighty. The master commended the dishonest manager for his shrewdness. But the sons of this world are more shrewd in dealing with their own generation than the sons of light. And I tell you, make friends for yourselves by means of unrighteous wealth, so that when it fails, they may receive you into the eternal dwellings. One who is faithful in a very little is also faithful in much, and one who is dishonest in a very little is also dishonest in much. If then you have not been faithful in the unrighteous wealth, who will entrust to you the true riches? And if you have not been faithful in that which is another's, who will give you that which is your own? No servant can serve two masters, for either he will hate the one and love the other, or he will be devoted to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and money. So this is the word of God. Now on the surface, this is weird. It's just a weird parable. This is an opinion. I think this is the weirdest parable in the Bible. Jesus is weirdest parable. So I just want to get something out of the way right up front. Jesus is not saying that it's okay to sin. If you're hearing that and as confused as maybe I was, like that is not what Jesus is saying. It is not okay to be dishonest. Being dishonest is a sin. But we are going to look at stewardship this morning. We're going to look at Management. Now you're like, man, we just came off of a four-week series on this. We're, we've, been, we've been in this. Well, here, here, just know this. We're not necessarily talking about money today. We are going to talk about your life. I'm going to ask you to kind of let this, I have a slide up. I'm going to ask you this morning if you would just kind of allow this to become a dashboard for you. Leadership or labor. Influence, finances, and expertise. This, this is without question probably one of the more unique sermons or, or passages that, I, that I've ever taught. I'm going to take a weird angle, I think, on this. Maybe it isn't weird. Um, here's what I'm going to ask you today. Based off the angle that I take with this passage, I'm just going to ask you to give me grace. 
Um, and, and here's what I'm willing to do. I'm willing to meet with you this week and say I'm sorry if I totally botched this. Because um, I might. But I do believe where we're going to go today, I, I just believe it's where the Lord would have me go with you, Hill City Church. Okay, so let me recap the story here. You got a rich guy, right? And he's got a business. And he's in the business of oil and he's in the business of wheat. Now, when you think oil, don't think Texas, don't think Middle East. We're talking seed oil, right? So, so I don't know, olive oil, likely. I just know, just, just know it's agricultural and wheat. And he's got a guy that runs his books. He's got a bookkeeper. He's hired him as part of his household. So this can then help you too. As you're reading in scripture later on, you see this word household, like when it says he and his household were saved. It's not just talking about him and his family. It's like his household, people who work with him, work for him. That's, that's kind of what a household alludes to in the Bible. So you have this manager and charges were brought against the manager and, and, and the owner of the business fires him. Just fires him. But it wasn't like, get your, pack your box and get out. That's not how it worked. The way it worked was now this manager who was being fired had this window of time to get his, the, the accounts in order so that the next guy coming in would kind of know where he left off and where he needed to go. So he had, times to, he had some time to order things. Well, in this window of time, this manager that's going to be fired gets this killer idea. And verse 3 tells us why he had to come up with the killer idea. Verse 3 says, the, the, the manager was like, well, here's the deal. I, I will not beg. I'm too proud for that. And I am not a blue-collar guy. I haven't got my hands dirty in a long time. My back is weak. I can't lift, can't dig. What am I going to do? So he comes up with a killer idea. Okay? So he's still in charge of the books, which means he can still represent the owner of the company, the owner of the business. So he goes to some people who owe his boss some money. That's what verse 5 through 7 tells. He says, hey, I'm going I'm to go to these people. I'm going to do them some favors so that when I am indeed out of this job, I can get another job. So he goes to the first debtor. In case you're wondering what, what happened here, th this guy was on the hook for 875 gallons of oil. And this manager says, hey, just pay for 437 gallons. We'll call it good. <laughs> so the person in debt deal, that's an easy decision. So he goes to the next one who, who owed him for 1,000 bushels of wheat. Now, by my estimation and what I looked at, if you lived in Kansas, the state of Kansas, and you wanted to grow that much wheat, it would take you roughly 20 acres to grow and produce that much wheat. That's how much the second debtor owed him. The manager goes to him and says, hey, write on your bill 800 bushels and we'll call it good. Easy decision. And then verse 8 is where I think it just kind of gets weird. The master commended the dishonest manager for his shrewdness. For the sons of this world are more shrewd in dealing with their own generation than the sons of light. So this dude is commended for his shrewdness. In this case, his shrewdness manifests itself by the, this, this 
manager going to people, doing favors for people, and he cut people deals and he gained some favor. But here's the thing we have to understand. He did not just gain favor for himself. Imagine if you were the person that was in debt and the guy you owed walked in the room who just cut your bill in half, you think, and you're going to run up to him and thank him. Tell him how awesome he is. Tell him how, hey, because he did that, you get to buy Christmas for your family this year. What's the master to do? He's kind of stuck. Because he really, this dishonest manager really actually gained some favor for his master within the community by being a generous and merciful, forgiving guy. The master knows that, and he looks at the dishonest manager, and he's like, it's pretty good. You got me. He does not hire him back, but he commended him. And that takes us to this idea of management or stewardship. And it's big for us as believers and I know we've talked about it lately, right? We've talked about it in the, in the four-week series as we dove out of Luke. Um, but as we look at stewardship, ju- just to give you a grasp of what we're talking about, stewardship and management. A steward or, or a manager is one who takes what belongs to another and he watches over it and or distributes it. And essentially, there are two kinds of managers. Shrewd ones. And the other ones, not so shrewd. So what exactly are we managers of? Because this is not a money sermon. This is about so much more than that. It's actually about your life. Your life. Is it leadership? Is it labor? Is it influence? Finances? Expertise? It's all of those all of those that you are a manager of. And the Bible would teach us that you need to become shrewd. Now, a common practice is, is if you want a definition of a word, go somewhere else in the Bible where the same word is used to give you an idea of what in the world are they talking about. The Greek word is phronimos, phronimos. And we see this word a lot in the New Testament. I'm going to give you a passage. Matthew 10, chapter 16, says this. Jesus is talking to his disciples. He says, Behold, I am sending you out as sheep in the midst of wolves. So be phronimos, as serpents, and innocent as doves. Shrewd. Having or showing sharp powers of judgment, to be astute or to deal wisely. And here is a sad reality. Too many Christians are the ones who don't get this. And it's in the marketplace, in the workforce, that it's Christians who are the ones who do not understand this. They do not understand leveraging. They don't understand investing. They don't understand maneuvering. And I'm telling you, being as transparent as I can, like that's, 
I've had to grow in this a lot. It's Christians who struggle the most, I think, at leveraging leadership, leveraging influence, leveraging finances, leveraging their expertise. And quite frankly, I think in this parable that Jesus is saying it's unacceptable. He says the sons of this world, unbelievers, are more shrewd in dealing with their own generation than believers, sons of light. Hill City Church, are, are you shrewd? Proverbs 13, if, by definition, shrewd to be to deal wisely. Well, let's go to Proverbs maybe and see what it says about some things. Proverbs says this, paraphrase here, chapter 13, 22, it says, a good man will leave an inheritance for his grandkids. I don't think that's just talking about money. Think of it as this dashboard. Think of it as leadership or labor. Think of it as influence. Yeah, think of it as finances, but think of it as expertise. Will your kids or will your grandkids be able to say this? Grandpa or grandma, will they be able to say, hey, grandpa was a great leader. And he, he had Great influence. He was wise at saving. He was wise at investing. He worked, he, he worked hard to become great at what he did. Expertise. Will you be able to leave that testimony for your grandkids? Because a good man or woman will. I want you to think of that in terms of this dashboard of giving your life. Be a great manager of your life. Leadership, influence, finances, expertise. Now hear me. That's how fast all of those things can turn. Everything I'm mentioning there in terms of this dashboard of life, they are tools. They are tools to be used by God. They're to be used through you, by God, for God. They are not to become idols, and they can become idols very quickly. Leadership can be an idol. Money is an idol. Expertise is an idol. All of these things can become an idol. And when they do, you will no longer be a good manager. They will actually manage you, and your life will eventually be a wreck. So how do we use them shrewdly? How do we, how do we be wise in managing our life kind of gets weirder. <laughs> Look at verse 9. And I tell you, make friends for yourselves by means of unrighteous wealth. That's just saying with 
money, with your stuff, with your possessions. The Bible just said, go make friends with it. So that when it fails, they may receive you into the eternal dwellings. Jesus is saying, use your life. Don't use it for your own sake. Go make friends with it. Every form of unrighteous wealth, every form of leadership, influence, finances, expertise. Hear me. If you did not catch that in verse 9, it did not say, it did not say if it fails. It said when it fails. So listen, eventually your leadership, your influence, your finances, your expertise will do you no good. Eventually. If not on this side of heaven, when you stand before God, the creator of all that, who gave you all that, it will do you no good. When it fails, Jesus encourages us to make friendships and not just superficial friendships, try to get people to hang out with me a lot. He's talking about eternally investing in friendships that will last beyond this life on planet Earth. The things you get in your life, the things that you've been given by God in, in terms of leadership, influence, finances, expertise, use those to make friends, use those to love people, use those to grow people. And Jesus is not saying to sin to get those things. He's not commending the dishonesty. The shrewdness is what's being commended. So don't, don't, don't let greed drive you to grow in leadership. Don't let greed drive you to grow in influence or finances or expertise. That's sin. Don't steal to get those things. Don't lie. Don't cheat. Don't, that's not what Jesus is saying to do. Jesus is saying this. The world gets this. The world understands how to leverage this to get what they think is right. You, my kids, you already know what's right. And you don't even know how to manage it to get what you know is right. Here, here's another way Jesus may have said this. If he was sitting here teaching us this parable, he might say this. Like... Hollywood gets this. Like some of, the, some of the best, most classic movies of all time get this. Get what? Well, they, they illustrate that there's an emptiness of living for yourself and then that, that there's a fullness in investing in others. College students... You likely have no clue, but there's a movie out there. It's black and white. It's called Citizen Kane. Tell me. Raise your hand. Anybody? Okay, two. Two and a half. Okay. It's about a movie. This guy, his whole life was spent increasing material wealth. Increasing in his power, but he did it at the cost of his relationships. In the final scene, it shows people walking through his mansion with all of his stuff. I mean, it's just like he had little pads walking in and out of this stuff, and the conversation was actually quite terrible. 
because the people were talking about what a waste that it was. And there's another movie, which is a classic in the Lotes House. We watch this a minimum of two times a year. If you have not watched this, you're going to need to come down here and get saved after church. But it's called It's a Wonderful Life. Yeah? Okay. It's a phenomenal movie. George Bailey, like he's my guy. Like George Bailey, we, we saw in the movie where, where money failed, but friendships didn't, right? And, and even, even Hollywood kind of got it with like that last saying in the book that Clarence wrote him. He, 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 he who has friends, is no, or he is no failure who has friends. Man, George Bailey understood this. Mr. Potter did not get it, right? And I think Jesus would say, man, he, like even Hollywood gets this. What? Why do my kids not understand this? Jesus is saying, listen, my kids ought to be shrewd managers of what I've given them. And here's, why would they? So they can be generous. So they can be generous with their life. Why would they be generous with their life? So that they can make an eternal impact. Not a temporal impact, but an eternal impact. That's why you've been given the things you've been given. Are you a shrewd manager? Are you generous? Are you faithful with your life? Are you a faithful manager? Because verse 10 tells us one who is faithful in very little is also faithful in much. And one who is dishonest in very little is also dishonest in much. And if you have not been faithful in the unrighteous wealth, that's talking about money and stuff and possessions. That's what the, the, the word there is. Who will entrust you to true riches? And if you have not been faithful in that which is another's, who will give you that which is your own. So we're going to celebrate something here in a minute, but I just have, have, I need a side conversation. So just go with me here. We have a ton of college students here and I just want to talk to college students, but not just college students. We got a lot of young married people here. We've got a lot of young single people out of college and I just need to talk to you for just a minute. So just right here. Okay. This is not brain surgery here. This passage I just read is not one that we need to just really labor over what is Jesus trying to say here? Okay. He who is faithful in little will be faithful with a lot. And he who is dishonest with a little will be dishonest with a lot. Now here, uh, this is not a knock on any of you. I'm just, I'm just, my assessment is this. Most of you have little right now. You're getting an education. You've been listen. I'm not saying you haven't been blessed. You don't have great people around you, a great church, great family. But but by, by and large, you're here. Okay, it's not brain surgery. Are you faithful? Because some of you get about ten bucks a month, and you're not faithful. And some of you are going to make about $190,000 a year, and you know what? You're not going to be faithful. And it's just a lie 
that you're telling yourself if you think, well, when I get that, then I will. The Bible says, no, you won't. It's not brain surgery. Maybe you don't have great positions of leadership, but labor, now labor you can do. I didn't say you had to like it, but maybe you're available. Okay. It's just just not brain surgery. Be a faithful, shrewd steward of what God has given you today. You will not be able to flip the switch when you have a lot. Now, Hill City Church, and I'm talking to college students too. College students, I'm not, that wasn't like, now you don't have to listen. You are included in what I'm getting ready to say. Hill City Church, college students, single, married, old, young, you have been faithful and we are going to celebrate. You've been very faithful. God has been faithful through you. And here's what I mean by this. So we, we've not always been in the Glory Theater. We were in, we were in University Plaza. Most of you were in there with us. We were in University Plaza and we would kind of get kicked out four, five, six, seven Sundays a year because, because they had other people come in to use it. And we started talking and thinking like, man, this, this is not really going to work long term. We are eventually going to have to have a home of our own. Now, the Lord has graciously provided us this beautiful theater, but even this theater cannot be our forever home. We had to start thinking about what would happen. So, so we just started kind of exploring a little bit, having some conversations, looking at some places throughout the city. And God in his greatness led us to the property where we're going to have our family dinner. And we were looking at that property, and it was way over. There's no way we could have afforded what they were asking for it, but we had some people with some expertise in this church that started making some phone calls, looking at things. And then all of a sudden, God in his just riches put it on somebody's heart to donate the money to buy the property. We bought the property just like that. $500,000, we own that property. Yes. Now, from the time that we started as a church, we knew that when we had our forever home, that we did not want just a traditional church building that was used one, two, three times a week and set empty five, six days a week. We wanted a church that the city could be blessed by and use outside of just us, Hill City Church. So we had the vision of a for the city center. So when we have our home, it will be a multi-purpose building. So we believe that's where the Lord has led us. Now, we bought that property. Okay, so there, there was a landmark for us. Now, we know this end game right here is going to end up being four to five million. We can't just completely nail it down now, but somewhere between four and five. We know that's the end game. But we, God blessed us, and now we have this property Okay, just pause. This is Daniel's game here, not mine. I'm trying this today, and it's kind of cool, but this is the first time I've done this, so it's going to look like my eight-year-old son Brody did this. Just hopefully it makes sense, okay? 
So we got the property. And on that property, you're going to see it today if you come to our party. On that, on that property is a building, and it's got to go. Like 99% of that building has got to be demoed. And it was gonna, it's going to cost uh, uh, another chunk of money to get that demoed. Well, after we bought that property, somebody knew, hey, this building's got to go, so here's what I'm going to do. This person, we didn't even ask. It was, an, it was just informal. We hadn't even started talking about raising anything to do this. Just informally, a person came up and said, here is 150K toward a demo that I know is going to have to happen. I don't know why the Lord did that, but he did. Praise God. Just like that. Huge. Okay, good, good, good. We'll make sure you guys are awake and with me. This is a big deal. We're celebrating. Are we, are we celebrating this morning? Okay, good, 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 good. Okay, so God's done a ton. So we have Bolivar. We had somebody say, hey, here's 150K toward the demo. Then two weeks ago, here's what we did. We came and asked for commitments. And if you remember, we launched into a For the City initiative two weeks ago. But to get to this point, the number that we said was going to be very important for us was 300. It was going to take 300 more thousand to, for, for a demo to happen. Simultaneously, we want 300 people from Hill City Church to serve in the Ozarks, in Springfield or the greater Springfield area, to serve and be hands and feet of Jesus alongside with getting 300K to demo this building. And that's what we launched into two weeks ago. And you guys wrote commitment cards. And Michael, our XP, executive pastor, he's the bean counter. He's the pastor of spreadsheets around here. He has been uh, calculating, getting, getting uh, uh, all your commitment cards. And I'm going to reveal the number to you and what you all committed and what the Lord is just blowing our minds and, and what's going on at our church, Okay. So, I'm going to try to write this backwards and big. How much did we need? How much did we commit to? Okay. There's another zero. Now I'm going to really mess this up. Zero. Nope, nope, nope. That's a five. Just a little bit over that, actually. This marker is trash. Okay. Everybody see that? Okay. There's another big zero. We needed 300 there is what was committed. All right. So what does that mean? What does it mean? We got this much committed. You guys were faithful in commitment. What does that mean? Here is the answer. Nothing if you don't follow through with your commitments. <laughs> There's another movie I hope you all have seen. If not, it's another reason you need to come down here and get saved. It's called Dumb and Dumber. Okay. So if you remember Dumb and Dumber, they get this briefcase full of cash and they just go start buying stuff with it. Everybody with me? But, but then they just started like writing what they bought on napkins. Well, then when the person who, who the money belonged to, they, they, they started showing them IOUs, right? They're like, oh, that, this one here is in a Lamborghini. You might want to hang on to that one, right? Everybody, okay, if you haven't seen it, go watch it. No, don't, don't. Here's my point. That's kind of what our commitment cards are unless we follow through with our commitments. But here's the deal. I, listen, Hill City Church, you've been so faithful. I have no doubt. I think, that's, I think we're going to blow that out of the water. I just do. So what does it mean? We told you that 
if we were able to do this, then we would just take the next step, right? And that next step being a demo. So here's what, here's what we know is going to happen. Based off of your commitments, we are going to take the next step, and we should have dozers uh, beginning to knock that building down within the next two to three months, okay? Okay, we should have dozers on that property knocking that building down the next two to three months, okay? Good. But because this is what you committed, added to this gift right here, we're actually going, we're going to take another step and a shuffle. So the step is the demo, but we're going to take that demo step, we're going to take a little shuffle. Here's the shuffle. We're actually going to move forward with having architects draw plans and do site plans. That's a pricey thing. That's not a cheap thing. But based off what you committed, we are able to take that next little shuffle. Praise God. I'm so excited for Hill City and us making and taking steps. There's more work to be done. I think as Hill City Church, we're not even three years old. I think we've only just begun. We are going to continue to be faithful. We're going to continue to be faithful. Some of you maybe are like, man, I didn't even fill out a card, and I meant to. But listen, don't, don't think, oh, they're there. Listen, if you want to jump in with us, and I'm not talking to visitors or people who, who are not part of Hill City Church who just might be here today. Uh, listen, we're not asking for me. We don't want anything from you. If Hill City is your church and you have not been a part of this, there's still go talk to Michael Robinson. He's here today. You can say, look, I just haven't done this yet, and just, and just uh, jump on jump on with us, okay, if you haven't been able to do that. But I do believe we have only just begun, and we will continue to be shrewd and faithful servants and stewards with our life, our leadership, and our influence, and our finance, and our expertise. Let me be very clear. These things are horrible, horrible masters. They're great servants. But leadership and labor and influence and finance and expertise are horrible masters. They are phenomenal tools. Hill City Church, I'm just asking, allow this L-I-F-E to be your dashboard, dashboard in which you can look at to gauge faithfulness. Because here's what verse 13 of chapter 16 tells us. It says that you have to pick a God And you can pick the real one, or there are a whole lot of fake ones which you can pick. But verse 13 says you don't get to, you don't get to pick both. You don't get to pick the real one and fake ones. It doesn't work. You will worship something because that's what you were created to do. You are a created worshiper. And you will worship something. You will worship leadership. You will worship influence. You will worship money. You will worship expertise. Or you will use those as tools to worship the one who gave you those things. But you will worship. Like, please understand 
that eventually all these will fail. When they fail, the Bible says. So, if you have any of those, which all of you do, they've been given to you by God. Here's a way I can try to illustrate this. So, so I borrow trucks a lot, okay? Um, mostly from family members. Got to use trucks to haul things, to move things. Um, most of the time it's from like my father-in-law, brother-in-law. So imagine, imagine I go back to my brother-in-law who let me use his truck. And I give him his keys. And my heart is, you're welcome for your keys back. Here's an awesome truck for you. Like, he's going to look at me, probably a little confused, like, dude, that's my truck. Yes, and you are welcome. <laughs> Call me again if you ever want it back. <laughs> like, it's, it's, like, that's foolish, right? It's foolishness. Yet we, we handle things that God has given us as if they're ours. Your life is not yours. Whatever leadership you have right now has been given to you by God. Whatever influence you have is because God allowed you to have that influence. All of your money is God's money. And any expertise you may have is because God allowed you to gain that expertise. You don't get to stand before the Lord and give something back to him acting like it's yours to begin with. That's foolish. And it's this point that takes us to the gospel. Because <laughs> we're going to stand before the owner of all those things one day. Period. That's a non-negotiable. Every one of us are going to, we will stand before the owner of all leadership, influence, finances, and expertise. And we'll stand before him empty-handed. And I'm, in that moment, it'll fail us because there's only going to be one thing that matters. We'll stand before him empty-handed and your righteousness will not have been obtained by that. Your righteousness will only have been obtained through Christ and Christ alone. Not by any works Salvation cannot be bought. Salvation cannot be maneuvered. You cannot trick your way into gaining salvation. It's a gift that God gives you. He gives it to you through the finished work of Jesus, his life, his death, his burial, and his resurrection. That's the only thing that matters when you stand before the Lord. And Jesus was actually the one who showed us what it looked like to be a phenomenal, shrewd manager of a life. 
2 Corinthians 8, verse 8 and 9 says, I say this not as a command, but to prove by the earnestness of others that your love also is genuine. For you know, you know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, that though he was rich, yet for your sake, for my sake, he became poor so that you by his poverty might become rich. Something else Jesus did as an example for us. It's why he can teach a parable and say, hey, go make friends with this. Go make friends with what I've given you. Go be shrewd enough to make friends. Because it's what he did. And he didn't just look around and go, yeah, I kind of like them, I kind of like them. He, he looked straight into the eyes of his enemies and made them his friends. And greater love has no one than this. That he lay down his life for his friends. That's our example. Are you shrewd? This morning, Hill City Church.